It is another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast coming up with the conductor, Anthony Smith. And in today's episode, it will be a college football recap. What happened Saturday on the gridiron? Were there some upsets? Were there some ramifications to the college football playoffs? You'd like to stay tuned to find out. All that's coming up on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And that show starts next. Welcome in to another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and here we got a lot of football action to bring to you. Quite a few happenings in the world of college football, and the first thing we're going to do is start you with this one right here. He gets the ball. Four-man rush, steps up, throws, center of the end zone. It's caught for a Texas touchdown by Joshua Moore. He beat Jason Taylor. He had time, too. The Cowboys rushed four. Offensive line did a nice job giving Ellinger time, and he had a lot he could see up the middle of the field, too, so nothing obstructing his view. And that was highlights from Texas, Oklahoma State. That was a go-ahead touchdown. Why was that so important? Well, it was plain and simple, and we're going to get to that. But let me give you this right here as well, too. ability to get away from the rush extended the play Malcolm Rodriguez dove at his legs couldn't get him and Smith being covered by Sterling Ellinger gets the ball here and why was that play so important because at that juncture that put Texas up 34-31 a game in which Texas won, meaning Oklahoma State is no longer undefeated, which means the only glimmer of hope that the Big 12 had of placing the team in the college football playoff was dashed. Thanks, Oklahoma State, for shattering the dreams of the Big 12 hopeful. Because you know you have those OU fans. But regardless, OU fans still don't like Texas. They really don't want to root for Oklahoma State, but in some instances, this is probably the case that they probably would have. And Oklahoma State let the state of Oklahoma down. Because the state of Oklahoma was hoping at least have 
somebody representing in the college football playoff and the Big 12 as a whole is probably banking on Oklahoma State and there go their dreams. So the Big 12 goes bust and what it means for the rest of the college football playoff. And trust me, I'm going to have my take on some of this as well, too. I still have a dark horse of a team that could possibly make it in if the committee do their due diligence. So, the Pac-12 hasn't even started playing yet, but it might have been one of the biggest winners of the weekend. With Oklahoma State's overtime loss to Texas, there are no undefeated teams left in the Big 12, which puts the league in the worst shape of the Power 5 conferences in the college football playoff race. With Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, in whichever order you prefer to argue, all winning Saturday, and one lost Georgia still hanging around on the bubble, the Big 12 has officially taken a nosedive into the CFP reverence. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 is going to start its seven-game conference seven-game conference-only schedule this week. And if it can produce an undefeated conference champion, it would almost certainly usurp the Big 12 winner for a semifinal spot. Considering the likelihood now that the Big 12 champion has multiple losses, ESPN's football power index had the chances hovering around 96% after the game. It also increased the potential for a one-loss Pac-12 champion to earn the edge in a close debate. But that might be looking ahead a little too much. It's still too early to completely eliminate any one lost Power 5 team with a chance to win this conference, including Oklahoma State. The All-State playoff predictor has essentially done that already, giving the Cowboys just a 1.5% chance to reach the college football playoff after their loss. And it might be right, but the number cruncher can't predict the effects of a pandemic. The coronavirus already has sidelined potential number one draft pick Trevor Lawrence, derailed Big Ten West front runner Wisconsin, and forced schedule scheduling reshuffling throughout even the mighty SEC, along with just about every other conference. This unprecedented season still has almost two entire months of games, and nobody knows how the virus will continue to impact an already Wally unpredictable sport or how many games each team will wind up playing. What we do know is that Oklahoma State is going to have an extremely difficult time winning out. Four of the next five games are on the road, including back-to-back games the next two weeks against ranked opponents, number 16 Kansas State, which also lost, and number 24 Oklahoma. The Cowboys haven't beaten the Sooners in the Bedlam Series since 2014. ESPN's FPI gives Oklahoma State a 38.1% chance to win that game, hence the assumption that the Big 12 champion is likely to have multiple losses, as every other team in the league already has at least two. What if the Cowboys do win out? And win the Big 12? And Notre Dame loses to Clemson and North Carolina? And Georgia loses the second game. Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders, who sat slumped 
It ejected with a bag of ice strapped to his shoulder after the loss to the Longhorns took much of the blame, but said the team can refocus its goals. We've just got to win out, he said, and go to practice the next day. It's the next day mentality. We just have to keep going and stay focused. We can still win this thing out, and we're just going to give it the best we've got. It's sad to lose this, but you can't hang your heads. We're men. We're just going to keep pushing. What's really going to define us is how we respond to this. If the Big 12 does play itself completely out of the playoff picture, it could also further legitimize a debate for undefeated number 7 or undefeated number 11. Number 7 Cincinnati or undefeated number 11 BYU. Any team outside of the Power 5 typically faces a greater burden of proof in the eyes of the committee because of perceived weaker schedule strength. Although that would remain a significant hurdle. If there was enough chaos in the Power 5 races, it's not inconceivable. The Oklahoma State loss could certainly help down the stretch. Or it could open the door for both Clemson and Notre Dame. Following its team's gritty 34-28 win over Boston College, the biggest comeback win at Death Valley in school history, Clemson coach Dabo Swinney, he praised on his team because they didn't flinch in spite of trailing by as many as 18 points without starting quarterback Trevor Lawrence. And yes, he said his team can still look like a playoff contender without Lawrence in the lineup on Saturday at Notre Dame. Sure, why not, Swinney said. We're 7-0. We won today. That's all you can do. Try to win the day, one day at a time, and we'll go from there. The 13-member selection committee will know and considered that Clemson was missing Lawrence for what should be the Tigers' most difficult regular season game of the year. But win or lose, that subplot might not change the playoff path for either team. But Clemson and Notre Dame facing each other in South Bend, Indiana on Saturday. One is obviously guaranteed a loss, but they could also meet again in the ACC championship game. If the team split, and their only loss of the season is to each other, the selection committee would likely at least consider them both for semifinal spots. You judge what you see. It's the same for everybody, Sweeney said. Everybody's got the same challenges, but I'm not worried about that. That's why we that's why they've got a committee. They can sit around and figure that out. I don't have any control over that stuff, so I'm not wasting two seconds of my time on that. According to CFP protocols, which haven't changed since the playoff began, the committee considers key injuries that may have affected the team's performance during the season to help distinguish between otherwise comparable teams. While the wording specifically relates to injuries, CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said it's more accurate to say player availability because committee members also aware of suspensions or disqualifications too. The selection committee will continue to consider players' availability in its deliberations as it always has, Hancock told ESPN on Thursday night. There's still a lot of football to be played this season and it's not ever appropriate for me to discuss hypothetical situations. 
we wish Trevor Lawrence all the best, as we do anyone who is dealing with a health situation. So, there you have those analogies and possibilities. And I'm glad to see that there was mention of Cincinnati and for that fact, BYU, because you have to keep an eye on those teams. You just have to keep an eye. And I know the Pac-12 is getting ready to start their play. But what if the teams in the Pac-12 end up with multiple losses from beating each other up? I mean, do you have to really give some strong consideration to a team outside the Power Five? Now, I don't know how strong BYU's schedule is or how weak it was. But you look at Cincinnati, they went into Dallas and beat a ranked SMU team. They knocked off Memphis yesterday. They were supposed to be a major player in the AAC conference. Right about now, I would say the only game that would probably scare me that Cincinnati has. I believe they played Tulsa, and Tulsa has been playing some pretty good ball this season. So that game would kind of make me nervous. But it seemed like Cincinnati has their focus and their mojo, and they like a team that's hard to beat. So, yes, I wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati in the college football playoff. Not that the big boys want to see them, but all a team like a Cincinnati needs is a chance. And I would strongly encourage the college football committee to really take a good, strong look at them. Because I believe that they could make a game of it. Imagine the state of Ohio. You have Columbus, you have Cincinnati. If anything, that would be a ratings game even from just the Ohio market. The state of Ohio would be in a frenzy. If they seen the bracket and it pitted, even if it was just the first round. Got that's most likely what it has to be. If since I believe if Cincinnati were given consideration to put in the college football playoff, they would most definitely be the number four seed. And it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to see Ohio State. Well, I don't know. As a one seed. And that just depends because right now your number one and number two teams is Clemson and Alabama. So at best, you would be looking at possibly Clemson, number one, taking on Cincinnati, number four. And most likely, number two, Alabama, taking on number three, Ohio State. The inconceivable thing happening would be Cincinnati knocking off Clemson. A lot of us can't see that. But no one saw, and I know Oklahoma fans are going to 
cringe when I say this. No one saw Boise State beating Oklahoma. And there's been some other games that when teams have been given the opportunity to play more superior teams in the ball game, they have knocked them off. All I'm saying is if Cincinnati runs the table and finishes their season undefeated, because right now they're ranked number seven in the polls. And I believe the Pac-12 is going to do more damage to their own and further diminish their hopes of getting the college football playoff. Which can't help but open the door for a team outside the Power Five. And I think if given the choice, if BYU and Cincinnati both end their season undefeated and both teams are climbing up the rankings, I would probably rather see Cincinnati. And that's just my personal opinion. I'm pretty sure there may be some others that possibly may feel the same way after listening at this and after weighing everything out. But one thing is for sure. There is still quite a bit of football left. And the only thing that a team like a Cincinnati can do for themselves is just keep playing the game. And as Dabo Swinney said, don't even waste two seconds. Every time thinking about it, that's why they have a committee. So, let's go ahead and give you some scores, some rundowns of what happened. We can pull those scores up. Looking at the top 25. So Clemson played their first game without. Trevor Lawrence, who is out because of coronavirus-related issues, uh, had to come down, had to come from behind 18, but their record is still intact, 7-0, as they knocked off those pesky Eagles from Boston College by a score of 34-28. They were led by DJ Ugalali, who went for who went 30 for 41 for 342 yards passing, two TDs. Travis Etienne. 20 carries, 84 yards. Also, Travis Etienne was also their top receiver, seven receptions for 140 yards. Alabama blanked Mississippi State. Number two, Alabama blanked Mississippi State, 41-0. Mac Jones went 24 for 31 for 291 yards, four TDs. Najee Harris carried 21 times for 119 yards. Devontae Smith, top receiver with 11 receptions for 203 yards. Number three, Ohio State was in a fight but came out 
with a 38-25 victory over Ohio State. Oh, so you can kiss Penn State's ranking goodbye as they fall to 0-2 to start the season. Ohio State 2-0. Justin Fields went 28-34 for 316 yards, four TDs. Master Teague, the third, 23 carries for 110 yards. Jahan Dotson, eight receptions for 144 yards. Number four, Notre Dame. Stays undefeated, knocking out Georgia Tech by a score of 31-13. Setting themselves up for their game next week against Clemson, Ian Brock, 18 of 26, 499 yards, one TD. Kyron Williams rushed 15 times for 76 yards. Javon McKinley, five receptions, 93 yards. Number five, Georgia, hanging around with hopes of getting in the playoffs. Gets by Kentucky, 14 to 3. Stetson Bennett, 19, 9 of 13 for 131 yards, but he threw two picks. Zamira White carried 26 times for 136 yards. James Cook, four receptions, 62 yards. And in the upset game, Texas knocks off Oklahoma State, 41-34. Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, led in passing with on 27-39 for 400 yards and four TDs. Chuba Hubbard carried the ball 25 times for 72 yards. And Tylen Wallace of Oklahoma State, 11 receptions for 187 yards. Another team that has its hopes alive for a possible playoff berth, ranked number 7, Cincinnati, still undefeated. Has no problem with Memphis beating them. 49-10. However, Brady White from Memphis led in pass 18-35 for 316 yards, 1 TD. Jerome Ford from Cincinnati, 9 carries, 116 yards, 2 TDs. Calvin Austin the third from Memphis, 7 receptions, 121 yards. Number 8, Texas A&M going up against Arkansas. Beat Arkansas 42-31. Kellen Mond, Texas A&M, quarterback, 21-26, 260-yard, three TDs. Raheem Boyd of Arkansas, 18 carries, 100 yards, one TD. Traylon Burks, seven receptions. Traylon Burks of Arkansas, seven receptions, 117 yards, and two TDs. That Arkansas team was also predicted to be the bottom feeder in the SEC and they've been playing some competitive ball, even pulled off a few upsets. A game that saw a very ugly brawl. Number 10, Florida. Knocks off Missouri. 41-17. Kyle Trask, Florida. 21-36, 345 yards, 4 TDs. Kyle Trask, Florida. They had them in Russia, 6 carries, 47 yards. And Kyle Pitts, Florida, five receptions, 81 yards. The Kyle and Kyle connection still clicking on all cylinders.
number 11, BYU, knocks off Western Kentucky, 41-10. Zach Wilson of BYU, 18-32, with 224 yards, three TDs. Tyler Algier, 16 carries, 95 yards, one TD. And Dax Milne, BYU, five receptions, 67 yards, one TD. Looking at some more scores. Number 13, Michigan. And this does not bode well against Michigan State. So, the only hope now for the Big 12, for the Big 10, will most likely be Ohio State. Michigan hosted Michigan State and came out on the short end of a 27-24 score. Top performers in the game, Rocky Lombardi of Michigan State, 17-32 with 323 yards and three TDs. Joe Milton of Michigan, 12 carries, 59 yards. And Ricky White, Michigan State, eight receptions, 196 yards and one TD. Number 15, Virginia. Number 15, North Carolina. Squared off against Virginia. And they limped out with a 44-41 loss. Sam Howell, however, went 23-28 for 443 yards, 4 TDs. Shane Simpson of UVA, 8 carries, 7 yards. Damie Brown, UNC, 11 receptions, 240 yards, and three TDs. But once again, North Carolina comes out on the short end of a 44-41 score. Number 16, Kansas State, goes into Morgantown, West Virginia, Looking to keep their win streak alive, but they came out on the wrong end of a 37-10 score. Top performer was Jarrett Dodge, West Virginia, 22-34 for 301 yards, passing two TDs. Lady Brown, West Virginia, 24 carries, 102 yards, one TD. Bryce Ford Wheaton, West Virginia, three receptions, 104 yards. Number 17, Indiana, against Rutgers in a wild game. It's all... One play that had about 50 laterals. A little bit of exaggeration. Indiana holds on for that game wins 37-21. Top performance, Michael Penix Jr. of Indiana, 17-26, 238 yards, 3 TDs. Stevie Scott, third, Indiana, 21 carries, 79 yards. And Fop Fillier. Of Indiana, five receptions, 137 yards. Number 20, Coastal Carolina keeps their undefeated streak going at 6 0 as they blink Georgia State 51 0. Top performers, Grayson McCall, 18 24 for 254 yards and four TDs. CJ Morabel 
also Coastal Carolina. 10 carries, 71 yards, 1 TD. And Javon Heli, Coastal Carolina, 5 receptions, 81 yards. Number 22, SMU, rebounding after their lone loss, takes on Navy in the shootout. Knocks off Navy, 51-37. Shane Buchel of SMU led with 23 of 28 passing, 300 yards, 3 TDs. Ulysses Bentley, SMU, 25 carries, 149 yards. And Jamal Carruthers, Navy, 2 receptions, 91 yards. Number 23, Iowa State went into Lawrence. And walks away with a 52-22 victory as Brock Purdy led. 23 of 34 passing, 239 yards, two TDs. Brees Hall, just being Brees Hall, 21 carries, 185 yards, two TDs. Xavier Hutchinson, five receptions, 87 yards, and one TD. Number 24, Oklahoma State entertains Texas Tech. Well, they go into Texas Tech, and they walk out with a 62-28 victory. The top performer, Spencer Rattler of OU, 21 of 30 for 288 yards, two TDs. Uh, Ramondre Steve was the recipient of those catches, 13, well, r- rushing 13 carries, 87 yards, three TDs. And Theo Weeks of OU, five receptions, 105 yards. And running out that top 25. Number 25, Boise State knocks off Air Force 49-30. Jack Sears led with 17-20, 208 yards passing, 3 TDs. Brandon Lewis of Air Force, 10 carries, 112 yards, 1 TD. And C.T. Thomas of Boise State, 2 receptions, 102 yards, and 2 TDs. So what I'm going to do right here is take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This train is still building up ahead of steam. We'll be right back after this word from my sponsor. Okay, we are back. A train sports talk podcast and now, what we are about to do, we are going to take a look at the top 25 AP and coaches ranking. The AP coaches ranking. As there has been some shuffling, some teams got upset, some teams have most likely moved up, and Quite frankly, it's going to have some bearing on the college football playoff scene. Not to mention the Pac-12 starts is coming up next coming up weekend. So it remains to be seen how that's going to shake out and how that's going to shape things out and about. But looking at that top five in the AP top 25, Clemson is still holding on to number one, 33 votes, but Alabama is closing the gap, number two with 29. Coming in at number three is Ohio State. Coming in at 4-0 with a 6-0 record, Notre Dame. 
in the fifth spot with one loss, 4-1 Georgia. Steady moving up the rankings. Team, you got to keep your eye on. And what happens if they win out? 5-0. Oh. Got the number six Cincinnati Bearcats from the American Athletic Conference. And that's up one spot from last week, and they were number seven. So can they crack, get in two more spots? That remains to be seen what happens, I believe, when Notre Dame and Clemson plays and how the game plays out because, you know, the committee has a way of taking into consideration what player played, what player didn't play, what impact it had. So that remains to be seen. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame 6-0, Clemson 7-0 going into their game next week. I'm pretty sure if Clemson were to lose that game and let's say Notre Dame wins that game convincingly, there's a possibility Clemson could drop down four spots to that number five, which would then pretty much move everybody up. Then that still might not be enough for Cincinnati. So it just remains to be seen. But Cincinnati looking good. All they can do is just take care of their own self and keep winning. Now I'm coming in number seven, Texas A&M with the 4-1 record. So thus far, looking at Matter of fact, if you want to look at the top eight in the coaches poll and the AP top 25, it's identical. So you have Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Cincinnati, Texas A&M, Florida. Those are your top eight in both the coaches and AP top 25 poll. Now, here's where it will get different. Coming in at number nine, BYU, another team that's undefeated. Wisconsin at number 10 with the 1-0 record. Miami, just outside the top 10, coming in at number 11 at 5-1. Oregon, who kicks their season off this coming up weekend, and they have moved up two spots. I don't get that, how they can move up and haven't played a game yet. But they're coming in at number 12. The Indiana Hoosiers, who escaped from Rutgers with a victory, and especially a wild, wacky play. With the 2-0 record, they coming in at number 13. A team that couldn't afford the loss, but took a loss on the chin in overtime against Texas. Coming in at number 14 with 4-1 record, Oklahoma State. So chances are, and they moved, that dropped them down eight spots. So chances are slim to none that they won't be in the college football playoff. Coming in at number 15 with a 6-0 record, up five spots, Coastal Carolina. At number 16, up three spots, the 5-0 record, Marshall. Coming up six spots also to the number 17 spot with a 4-2 record and a very impressive blowout victory over University of Kansas is the Iowa State Cyclones. Coming in at number 18, up four spots with the six of my records, SMU. They rebounded pretty well after their loss to Cincinnati. Also moving up five spots to be right inside the top 20. With a 4-2 record, Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma. Having yet to play, coming in with, at number 20 is USC. Up four spots, number 21, Boise State with a 2-0 record. Not ranked last week, but in... Coming in at number 22, 
Texas Longhorns with a 4-2 record after their upset victory over Oklahoma State. Coming in at number 23, down 10 spots with a 1-1 record. And they're starting to be a little bit of unrest there, pretty sure. After losing to your in-state rival, the Michigan Wolverines. Coming in at number 24 after not being ranked last week, it's the Auburn Tigers with a 4-2 record. And cracking the rankings at number 25, undefeated, 6-0 record, is Liberty University. Now we take a look at the coaches poll. And basically what we're going to do, we're going to start at number 9. No, actually, we're going to start at number 10 because that's where it switched. Actually, 1 through 9 are identical because BYU is holding down the 9 spot. So number 10 is where we see some flipping and switching and a lot of things. We'll show you, tell you the difference. So in the coaches poll, coming in number 10 is Miami. Coming in number 11, and for Miami, that's up two spots from last week. Coming in number 11 is Wisconsin. Dropping six spots to the number 12 spot is Oklahoma State. Up six spots, number 13, Indiana. Up one spot, number 14, Oregon. Up three spots, five and O Marshall. Up five spots in the 16 position, Coastal Carolina. Up five spots also. The next three teams have moved up five spots. So number 17, Iowa State. Number 18, SMU. Number 19, Oklahoma. Come in at number 20, USC. Cracking the rankings again with the 4-2 record. Number 21, Auburn. Climbing three spots. 6-1 record, Army. Coming in at number 23, Boise State. A team that took the loss on the chin dropped 11 spots with a 4-2 record in North Carolina and also dropping 11 spots. Number 25, the 1-1 record, Michigan Wolverines. So there you have the top 25 in both coaches and the AP poll. So we move right along. And looking at Clemson, they're still ranked number one. But they had to claw fight and scratch for that victory. They had to come from behind. First time they've been behind all season. As a matter of fact, we have highlights. So let's just check that out right now. Freshman quarterback now sensing pressure off the edge. They come after him and smartly gets it to Etienne and off to the end zone goes Travis Etienne. His lead blockers now. ETN, the ball's loose, ball is loose, BC has it, it's Brandon Sebastian, a 99-yard 
glory run for Sebastian. Can you believe what's happening here in Death Valley, folks? As they split out, Danny Dalton's a fake. Tessator is under center on fourth and two, and he got him to come off sides. John Tessator came up and played quarterback at the last second, and they may get a first down out of this. So here's BC now after the fake and the conversion pulling them to the end zone. Wow! What a score! C.J. Lewis bobbling circus, and how about it? With ETN flanking him. Pulls <laughs> and has a big jump play and more. Touchdown, Tigers. What a great read on fourth and one. To the end zone, touchdown, Clemson. Amari Rogers. Second and four. Clemson looking to take the lead, and ETN will do it. From his own end zone against Clemson. That was all kinds of ugly. It's his liberality. Offense, number five. Foul occurred in the end zone. We go to the plays of safety. We do have a safety. And number one survives. They move to 7-0. and Largest comeback by Clemson in Death Valley. Imagine that. Who would have thought that Boston College would have taken Clemson to the wire. But you know, for some of these schools like Boston College, that is their national championship game. That is their game. So they came in with a valiant effort, but they came up just short. Clemson had just enough, but as you heard it said, that was the largest comeback for Clemson in Death Valley. They were down by 18 points. So Clemson remains number one in the AP college football poll, but Alabama Crimson Tide is closing the gap. So Clemson remained number one in the Associated Press College football poll on Sunday, but not by much. Trevor Lawrence's absence because of COVID-19 and the Tigers' narrow win over Boston College created a divide among the 62 writers and broadcasters on the voting panel. Clemson received 33 first-place votes, 19 fewer than last week, and has only a two-point lead over number two Alabama heading into a huge ACC matchup at fourth-ranked Notre Dame this week. Alabama, which handed Mike Leach his first shutout loss as a head coach with a 41-0 victory over Mississippi State, got the 29 other first-place votes. The rest of the top five remained the same with Ohio State at number three, followed by Notre Dame and Georgia. The unbeaten Liberty Flames, in their third year in the football bowl subdivision, entered the rankings for the first time at number 25. Penn State is out for the first time since 2016 following consecutive losses. Voters had differing opinions on how to handle Clemson. Six voters who had Alabama number one on their ballots had Clemson third behind Ohio State. Lawrence was ruled out of the game against Boston College after testing positive for COVID-19, and Coach Dabble Sweeney announced that his Heisman Trophy frontrunner wouldn't play against Notre Dame either. Clemson made up an 18-point deficit in the second half to beat D.C. 
five-star freshman. DJ Ugalele made his first start and got better as the game went on as Clemson pulled off his largest comeback for a home win in program history. Alabama made easy work of Mississippi State and has now scored 35 or more points in 19 straight games, the longest streak in FBS. So, poll points. Liberty, which was idle Saturday, beat out Northwestern for the number 25 spot. Who freezes Flames or 6-0 against mostly light competition? Their biggest test so far comes this week at Virginia Tech. The last time Penn State was unranked was October 16th, 2016. The next week, the Nittany Lions upset Ohio State in Happy Valley, then appeared in 63 straight polls in which they were eligible. Big Ten teams were removed from consideration for two polls this year because of their coronavirus delayed season. Penn State had the fourth longest streak, active streak behind Alabama, 205, Ohio State 138, and Clemson 94. Cincinnati at number six has its highest ranking since it finished the 2009 regular season number four. Number nine, BYU is in the top ten for the first time since it was number seven on September the 3rd, 2019. Number 13, Indiana, has its best ranking since it was as high as number 11 in 1987. In number 22, Texas beat Oklahoma State in overtime for its first road win against a top 10 team since 2010 and is back after a three-week absence. Number 24, Auburn returned after two weeks following its route of LSU. Number 25, Liberty's schedule gets tougher now with Virginia Tech, NC State, and Sunbelt Conference Phenom, and number 15, Coastal Carolina, still to come. So who's out? Oh, Carolina has lost two of three and dropped out for the first time this season. Penn State's absence might be temporary with winnable games against Maryland and Nebraska up next. Kansas State's two-week stay ends with an ugly road loss to West Virginia. So, on the conference call, the only conference without representation in the top 25 is the Mid-American, which begins play Wednesday. So, how's it look shaping up? Well, the SEC has five. Numbers 2, 5, 7, 8, and 24. The Big 10 has four. Numbers 3, 10, 13, and 23. The Big 12 has four. Numbers 14, 17, 19, and 22. The ACC has three. Numbers 1, 4, and 11. Pac-12, 2, numbers 12 and 20. The American has 2, number 6, number 18. Conference USA has 1, number 16. The Mountain West has 1, number 21. The Sun Belt has 1, number 15. Independent has 1. No, Independent, actually, it says 1, but actually it really should be 2 because it's showing number 9 and number 25. So ranked versus unranked. Number nine, BYU at number 21, Boise State Friday. Third string QB, Baylor Romney orchestrated BYU's upset of the Broncos last year. Zach Wilson will be leading the Cougars' effort to win in Boise for the first time. Number eight, Florida versus number five, Georgia in Jacksonville, Florida. The Bulldogs will go for a fourth straight win in the series, but need to be sharper than they were against Kentucky. Number one, Clemson at number four, Notre Dame. Another Biggest game of the year until the next one. Ugalele takes 
his show on the road while Lawrence remains in the COVID-19 protocol. The Irish defense has been tough, but the Tigers are a different animal. So there you have a look at the top 25. Also, how things could shape up. I am just curious, though, as to is there any way conceivably possible that Cincinnati could climb up to that number four spot? And I would actually really like to see that happen. I mean, it's like we're so close to seeing a team from a non-power five crack into that playoff scenario. But at the same time, it seemed like for some reason it doesn't happen. But here's the here's the trump card as far as I'm concerned. And some of you may agree with me. Some of you may not agree with me. But there's a possibility that Clemson could get it handed to them. Quite naturally, if Notre Dame wins the game convincingly, possibility is Notre Dame definitely moves up in the rankings. Clemson drops. The question is, by how much? Because one thing that the committee is going to take into consideration is no Trevor Lawrence. And it's already said that Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney has already said that his star quarterback will not be available for Notre Dame game. And of course, we've seen their five-star freshman quarterback. And as the game went on, he got a little bit better. He got more comfortable. But he cannot afford to have another start like that against the Notre Dame team playing in South Bend. Yes, Notre Dame's defense is tough. Clemson is a different animal. But I don't care if you're a five-star or if they came up with ten stars. You're on the road. You're playing in a different environment. Granted, it's not a full capacity. So it almost makes it an even playing field. But all the defense has to do is get in on a couple of sacks. Basically, look at game film from what Boston College did. And I'm pretty sure defense will be you more talented than Boston College. I think Trevor Lawrence does make up a big, at least a 10-point difference. I don't know what the odds is on this game, but I'm going to go on a limb and say Notre Dame minus 8. Notre Dame minus 8. So, when you hear this podcast, just do me one good favor. Leave me a comment and tell me what you think. I would love to hear from each and every one of you. So what I'm going to do right here, I'm going to take another break. And when I come back, I will bring you up to speed as to what's going on in the NFL. Stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith. Be back after these messages. (laughs) 
welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, which is most likely my last segment as I bring you speed, bring you up to speed as to what's going on in the NFL right now in the second quarter. Philadelphia Eagle have the balls. It's fourth down and three at Dallas 44. 11.45 to go in the second quarter. Philly is holding on to a 7-3 lead. Uh, Danucci is starting at quarterback today for the Cowboys, so we'll keep an eye on that game. But we do have some scores to pass along to you. Uh, of course, we know Atlanta and Carolina played on Thursday night with Atlanta winning that game 25-17. Buffalo holds on and knocks off New England 24-21. Cincinnati, surprisingly, pulls off the shocker, knocking off Cincinnati 31-20. So that has to do more for the confidence of the rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow. Another game that was final, Las Vegas in a low-scoring affair with Cleveland. Where's the offense coming from? Knocks off the Browns 16-6. And we've lost our score ticker. So let's see if we can pull that back up. There we go. Another game to win final. The Indianapolis Colts knocked off the Detroit Lions 41 to 21. Minnesota Vikings handed Green Bay a loss 28 to 22. What's going on in Green Bay? Kansas City, no problem. Knocking off the hapless New York Jets, 35-9. Miami knocks off the Los Angeles Rams. That has to be upsetting. 28-17. Pittsburgh in another close game, but they come out on top, beating the Baltimore Ravens, 28-24. Pittsburgh still remains undefeated. L.A. Chargers and the Denver Broncos played in another close game. Denver coming away with a one-point victory, 31-30. Game to win the overtime, got a little bit chippy. There were player ejections. New Orleans Saints beat the Chicago Bears in overtime, 26-23. The Monday night game will pit the 5-2 Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers Against the one and six New York Giants. Garoppolo and Kittle leaves the game for the 49ers with injuries as they lose to the San as they lose to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle knocking off the 49ers by a score of 37 to 27. So let's take a look at the standings right now. In the AFC East, you have the Buffalo Bills with a 6-2 record. Miami Dolphins coming in second with a 4-3 record. The much more improved Dolphins 
New England Patriots coming in the third with a two and five record and still can't seem to buy a win, let alone find a win. New York Jets coming in at 0 and 8. On to the AFC North, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in at 7 and 0. You have the Baltimore Ravens coming in at 5 and 2. Cleveland Browns at 5 and 3. Cincinnati Bengals at 2 and 5. In the AFC South, Really, after another loss, two in a row now. Tennessee Titans, five and two. Tied with the Indianapolis Colts for leading the AFC South, who also come in with a five and two. So they are quietly sneaking up on people. And then you have the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars both coming in with one and six records. Moving on to the AFC West. You have the Kansas City Chiefs coming in with a 7-1 record. Las Vegas Raiders at 4-3. Broncos, who squeaked out a one-point victory over the Chargers, coming in at 3-4. And, and you have the Los Angeles Chargers, 2-5. Now we move on to the NFC. And let's just certainly get this out of the way because this is pathetic. You have the NFC East with the Philadelphia Eagles leading that division with a 2-4 record. With a 2-4-1 and one record. That's the one time where a tie actually helps you. Then, second place, tie, Washington and Dallas Cowboys. 2-5 and five record. Which, that could change if Dallas comes up with a victory tonight. Keyword, if. Then you have New York Giants. Bring it up the rear. 1-6. I guess the only good thing about what's on the bottom is holding everything else up that's on the top. And now the NFC North Division. You have the Green Bay Packers atop of that division with a five and two record. Chicago Bears coming in at five and three. Detroit Lions three and four, and the Minnesota Vikings at two and five. In the NFC South, which has to be one of the tougher divisions, if for no other reason than the fact that you have the Saints and the Buccaneers coming in both at five and two. Then you have the Carolina Panthers coming in at three and five. The Atlanta Falcons, who seem like they couldn't get a victory, have two victories all of a sudden coming in at two and six. The toughest division, I would have to say, though, is the NFC West. Because each team outside the 49ers all have a winning record. Seahawks leading that division with a six and one record, followed by the Arizona Cardinals at five and two. The Los Angeles Rams coming in at five and three after they suffered a loss today. And the San Francisco 49ers, after suffering a loss, not literally, not just on the scoreboard, but also on the field, with the loss of Garoppolo and George Kittle, coming in at 4-4, four and four, which I think, I think right now the toughest two divisions would be, because of the competitive edge and based on their records, would be the NFC West and... Possibly outside of Cincinnati, the AFC North. That's not to say that the AFC West couldn't become a more competitive division, but that all hinges on what the Broncos and the Chargers do moving forward. So there you have the NFL scoreboard, what is taking place today, what's going on right now. You also have the standings.
And let's see what else we can. So, what actually what happened in Miami? Let's take a look at what actually happened in Miami because today, not only did Miami win, but the Dolphins debuted their rookie quarterback, Tucker Viola, as they knocked off the Los Angeles Rams. And what had to be a Shocker. Yes, that's right. The Dolphins knocked off the Rams. Let's take a listen. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking good. Touchdown! Parker, we've got a flag down. Boy, Tua got rid of that ball quickly. Put it right where it needs to be. How about a little Tua touchdown? How about that? Yeah. Boy, did this team need that. Now you have the answer to a, a long-time question, trivia question. Who caught Tua's first touchdown? And it's Devontae Parker. So remember that Devontae Parker catches Tua Tucker Viola's first touchdown pass. And it came against the Los Angeles Rams on this day, November the 1st, 2020, two days ahead of election. Yes, get out and vote. Make your voice heard. Anyway, Miami Gardens, Florida. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa walked off the field with a wide smile as his first NFL start ended with a comfortable 28-17 win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. Tagovailoa threw his first NFL touchdown a tight window, goal line slant to wide receiver Devontae Parker. Then he largely took a step back as his dominant defense and special teams unit carried the offense the rest of the way for a convincing victory. Following a week in which all the talk was about Tug of Viola, the Dolphins' defense forced Rams quarterback Jared Goff into four first-half turnovers including one for a defensive touchdown, and speedy punt returner Jaquim Grant scored an 88-yard touchdown. It was a historic day of sorts for the Dolphins, who had a passing, rushing, special teams, and defensive TD in a game for the first time since October 24, 1993, against the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think I played to the standard of what this offense is capable of. There were certain plays where I could have stepped up and made the right throw made the right decision. But it's good that we still came out with the win, Tucker Viola said. Thank God we got a good defense. Golf might have nightmares about Miami coach Brian Flores' defense. The Dolphins pressured Golf on 21 of his 63 dropbacks, 33%, tied for the highest percentage he has faced in the game this season, Chicago Bears in Week 7. Golf was 6 of 19 with two interceptions when under, when under duress. The 19 attempts retired for the most such attempts in a game in his career, week 16 of 2019 versus the San Francisco 49ers. We won. We won the game. It's a team football game. It's not a one-man show. He made enough plays for us to win the ball game, Flores said of Tagovailoa. Collectively, if we don't play well in one phase, we have to pick each other up. 
This is his first NFL game against a real good defense. You got to take that into account as well. But the rest of the team picked him up, and we got W. It was complete dominance by a Dolphins defense that devised unique pressure and confusing coverages drops that made golf look baffled much of the game. The last time golf led Rams coach Sean McVay offense senior Flores defense, it was a similar story. In Super Bowl 53, Flores, then the New England Patriots defensive play caller, held the Rams offense to just three points. Flores accepted the Dolphins job days later. On Sunday, it looked like another example that Flores might have McVay in golf's number. Andrew Van Kinkle scored on a 78-yard fumble return that was made possible by an Emmanuel Ogba strip sack. A Shaq Lawson strip sack put the Dolphins at the Rams' one-yard line to set up a short Miles Gaskin rushing touchdown. Christian Wilkins and Eric Rowe nabbed interceptions, and golf never looked comfortable all day as the Dolphins continued to send exotic looks his way. Through the week, we caught wind of Rams defense, this Rams defense that we were like, man, they need to focus on our defense, Rose said. That was one of our focuses in our mind, to show up. People keep sleeping on our defense, and that's fine, but we're going to show up every week. As Flores added, we apply some pressure. You want to make a quarterback feel you. Dolphin safety Bob McCain made a point to go up to Tucker Viola during some of the offensive struggles to say, don't worry about it. The defense picked him up. The Miami offense, 145 total yards, were its fewest in a win since week 14 in 2010, 131 versus New York Jets, and fewest by a team to win by double digits since the 2006 Bears beat the Minnesota Vikings 23-13 with 107 total yards. But more than anything, it showed that the Dolphins have enough in their supporting cast to ensure Tucker Viola doesn't need to be a superstar for his team to win. After Tucker Viola, he became, as for Tucker Viola, he became the 22nd Dolphin quarterback to start a game since Dan Marino retired in 2000. Dolphins fans hope he will be the one to get it right. And if there's one thing Tucker Viola showed Sunday, it's that he can take some hard hits and move around well in his first significant action since a career-threatening hip injury on November the 6th on November 16, 2019, while he was playing with Alabama. It was a rocky tour for Tucker Viola, headlined by a strip sack from Rams All-Pro defender Aaron Donald on his first drop back. He, was all, he also was nailed by Rams defensive tackle Michael Brockers on the same play. It was his first significant hit since the hip injury. It was a good hit. It's football. Tried to step up and make a throw. Aaron Donald swiped at the ball behind me. I don't know who the guy was that took me off my feet and pretty much body slammed me. But that's football, Tucker Viola said. I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy getting hit that first time. It was definitely a welcome hit. Tucker Viola settled down toward the end of the quarter when he led a touchdown drive that ended in that throw to Parker. He leaped for a hip bump to Parker and cradled the ball as he carried it to the sideline. Tucker Viola said with a laugh after the game that he will be keeping that football. That moment and that football will be the lasting image for, from Tucker Viola's first start. He was mobbed with hugs on the sidelines by teammates, including Ryan Fitzpatrick, the veteran signal caller whom he replaced. Tucker Viola finished with 12 of 22 passing for 93 yards, one touchdown and zero interceptions. He is the first QB to win his first career start with fewer than 100 passing yards and 20-plus 
attempt since the Donovan McNabb in 1999. Tucker Viola was Tucker Viola was rusty at times with some overthrows early on, before the Dolphins' offense got conservative for much of the second half while sitting on its sizable lead. It wasn't a showcase game for Tucker Viola, but the Dolphins picked up their rookie in, grind, in guiding him to his first win. It was fun to be able to play a full 60-minute game, being that it was my first start in the NFL, Tucker Viola said. We faced a really good defense. I'm proud of what we got to do offensively, and I know there's still plenty of things that we need to correct. Seeing for Tucker Viola's first start was written like a Hollywood script. Marino watched from the sideline as Tucker Viola and the offense warmed up before the game. Tucker Viola shared a warm hug with Fitzpatrick before his first snap, then jogged onto the field where he was met with a fan ovation and notable cheers from the socially distanced fans at Hard Rock Stadium. The 4-3 and three Dolphins jumped out to a 28-7 halftime lead over the Rams 5-3. and three. Even if the offense finished with 54 yards, the fewest total yards by a team to score 28 first-half points in the past 40 seasons. But that gives Tucker Viola and the Dolphins something to work on this week as they savor their first week and rise above 500 for the first time since for the first time since week 15 of the 2018 season after their Miami Miracle win over the Patriots. They showed a lot of mental toughness this week with the QB change, Flores said. There were a lot of things going on other than football, and those guys put aside, put that aside and played well. So, congratulations to the rookie. And the sky is the seat. The sky is the limit for this guy. His he I believe with everything that's been said about him and the fact that everybody was concerned, could he take a hit? How's that hip? I think playing a full 60-minute game and getting hit by Aaron Donald, I think that says a lot that the boy, the kid, is ready to play. So with a little bit more repetitions and seasoning under him, I think the Dolphins got it right on this draft pick. So we'll keep our eye on him. So what are some things that we can look at? Well, once again, the Patriots lost. So, you know, the microphones were in front of quarterback Cam Newton. That's going to always be. And the question is, what will he say? New England Patriots QB Cam Newton calls late game fumble versus Buffalo Bills unacceptable. And that seems to be his favorite word. So just what happened on this play? Well, let's find out what happened. Two by two set. Newton takes the snap. Immediately runs to his left. Turns outside the numbers and gets inside the 15. Ball's out. The ball's out. It's Buffalo football. Cam Newton fumbles the football with 31 seconds remaining in the game in the red zone. And the Buffalo Bills recover with a three-point lead. You have got to be kidding me. Wow. Wow. So, basically, on that play, if Cam Newton doesn't fumble, the possibility is it probably kicks a field goal and the game goes in overtime. 
or they have enough time to try to go for a touchdown. But as it was, he was stripped. He was stripped from behind on that play. So, dejected New England Patriots quarterback Cam Newton called his fumble late in the fourth quarter of Sunday's 24-21 road loss to the Buffalo Bills unacceptable as it cost the team a chance at a game-time field goal and possibly a chance to win. He says, I got to protect the ball better. I know that has just been kind of like a broken record of late, Newton said. Newton had the ball stripped away by Bills defensive tackle Justin Zimmer at the Buffalo 14-yard line with 31 seconds to play. It was his only turnover, but the most costly one coming after a week during which he harped on taking better care of the ball following a three-interception performance in a blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers. He says, I'm still jeopardizing this team's success because of my lackluster performance of protecting the football. Coach trusts me with the ball in his in his hand, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I just have to do a better job protecting it, he said, after the Patriots dropped to 2-5 and five with a fourth consecutive loss. It's extremely frustrating. But this league is not what but this league is not what have you done for us, but what have you done lately? I understand this is a production-based league. Newton ran toward the left sideline but kept the ball in his right hand, which helped give Zimmer a better chance to jar it free as he pursued Newton from the middle of the field. That situation, game online, I'm dominantly right-handed. Prior to me putting the ball in my left hand, which is my weakest arm, I just felt more comfortable with the ball in my right hand, Newton explained. I usually always change it around with my right hand just for comfort. Coach preaches each and every day to protect the football, play smart football. I'm converting to it. Outside of this last play, I think that is what makes it so frustrating, being that you are trying extremely hard when you don't get the results you want, then what do you do? Newton will have a chance to redeem himself next week in a road game against the New York Jets on ESPN's Monday Night Football. Coach Bill Belichick said he's sticking with Newton as his starter. Said Newton, nobody is feeling sorry for me, and I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I just have to do, I just have to be better and play 60 minutes of premium football. I'll say this. I think Newton has come a long ways from his interview epic fail, as some people would like to say it, when he was basically, even though he showed up, he was still no show after the Super Bowl. After that interview where he got up and walked out. And they said, as a face of the franchise, that's just something you can't do. Part of me understand why he did it. Because if you listen to that interview, you can also hear the talk from the other locker room and the things that were being said. So, even though I don't totally condone everything he did and walking out, at the same time, I also understand how he could have been very frustrated under those circumstances and walked out. So... I mean, it is what it is. But Cam Newton's pretty much owned up to everything. He hasn't said anything off the wall. He hasn't talked about, oh, a female reporting, talking about route running. And I still have my take on that. Because how often is it, you may agree with me or disagree with me, but how often do you get a question from a female reporter asking you about route running? And I think he was probably more surprised to get that question from the female reporter 
And that was basically his response. Now, I noticed in a few years back, maybe last year, and yes, those comments, the way he addressed it, cost him endorsements, which means he basically has to learn because in the grand scheme of things, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that statement. But my mama has always taught me this. She said, it's not what you say, and it's how you, it's how you say it. So sometimes Cam has to be careful. Not so much as what he say, but it's how he says it. If he would have said, I appreciate the fact that you are a female reporter and you're asking me about route run running, that would have been totally different. But the way it came out, I can understand to somehow would be deemed as offensive. But that's neither here nor there. He's in a new uniform, and usually the questions that they ask him, he's saying, hey, this is on me. I take full responsibility for it. I take full blame for it. So, yes, I think Cam has learned from the errors of his ways. And I think being in New England is the best thing for Cam right now. And I believe they will probably get this turned around. And hopefully, wherever the trade deadline is, maybe the Patriots can get him a little bit more help. Otherwise, Cam is an injury away from having to sit out the rest of this year. Anyway, this has been another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'm glad you could tune in. Like I say, when you hear this, please leave me a comment. And also remember this, this podcast is listener supported. So your support of this podcast would be greatly appreciated. Uh, If you are a small business owner, please feel free to support. Uh, You can support on a monthly basis. Start with $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. But I would appreciate your support. The, your support helps me get the content that I get that I can put it out for everybody to listen. So, once again, this is A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this journey. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. God bless.